Welcome everyone, I'm your host Angelo Santiago and this is the We Are The Men podcast, a show that is dedicated to sharing the stories of men who are all connected by a commitment to having a positive impact on the world through the actions they take in their own lives. My guest today is Jetty Azuma. Jetty is the founder of the Rising Man Movement, a wilderness rites of passage guide and a men's leadership mentor and coach. Since 2008, Jetty has been in the field of men's empowerment and mentored a wide range of men, from high-powered tech founders to corporate leaders to hardworking family men and vision-driven millennials. He has impacted the lives of thousands of men on his mission to initiate an entire generation into purpose-driven leadership. Despite his achievements, he considers his most important roles in life to be a father and a husband, I'm excited to have Jetty on here, and I am proud to say that I am one of those lives that he has impacted. I've personally been engaged with Rising Man through the Ignite program, through the fire circles. Jetty is a good friend to me, to my family, and it's an honor to have you here, Jetty. Excited for this conversation. Honored to be here, man. Thank you for that introduction and excited for this new venture that you're leading here, man. It's good to see you in your power. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. And like I said, you know, so much has led me to this point of creating what it is I'm creating to leading in this way in my own life and with We Are The Men. And and you've been an integral part of that. So I'm excited to dive deep a little bit into not only what you're doing now, but also your story, kind of what got you to this point? What has led you to have this vision of initiating an entire generation of men into purpose-driven leadership? So before we dive all the way down there, let's just start with where we are right now, where our feet are right now in this world. And the question I always like to start off with is for you, what season of life do you find yourself in? Like what is going on in your world that is guiding you, that is leading you into maybe the current state and the next few steps ahead? Mm, That's a great question, man. I see myself as somebody who got started on my purpose a bit earlier than a lot of men do these days. You know, I was really heading down the road of my purpose in my 20s, like my early and mid 20s, even though I didn't know it at the time, it was really becoming clear. And there's a woman named Allison Armstrong who has an amazing outline for the development of men. It's actually a lecture she does. I recommend it to everybody. And in the archetypes she offers, there's knighthood, which is basically our adolescence where we're going out. It's all about fun and adventure, fun and adventure. That was like my teens and early 20s. I went through that phase very quickly and knew that I wanted to start building a kingdom. So Prince came next. And I feel like I'm on the latter edge of Prince where Allison describes this moment where a man looks back and reflects on everything he's done, all the choices he's made that have set the stage for the life that he's going to live for the, the last act of his life. And even though I'm only 36 right now, I feel like I am at that point where I'm looking back and I'm saying, whoa, look at all these big decisions I made, moving, relocating my family, starting Rising Man. I'm looking at that and asking the question that all men do at some point, was this the thing? Did I do it right? Did I, did I nail it? Did I make the right decision on a large scale? Not just, did I make the right decision about breakfast this morning? So I feel like I'm in what Allison would call the tunnel. In society, a lot of people would call this uh, midlife crisis. <laughs> I, I don't think I'm anywhere near mid- my midlife yet, but it feels very much like that moment where I'm taking inventory of all the decisions I made how I got here. And is this the direction I want to keep heading in this, you know, these next chapters of my life. So I'd say that it's summer going into fall, (laughs) if I had to put it in a season. 
Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, definitely that transition point. And I'm really interested to explore because for me, when I look back at my story yeah, in my early 20s or my mid 20s, I would not say I was where maybe you were. So let's talk to maybe somebody who's listening, who finds themselves in that early mid 20s, but they're a little bit more maybe ahead in knowing what their purpose is. And they look around and maybe you had this experience. I don't know. You can talk a little bit about it. Maybe the people around them, the community they have around them, their friends, like they're not at that place in life. So for somebody who's at a young age, who kind of feels really called, like, I know this is right for me and I'm ready to take the next steps forward, but the world around me doesn't feel like this is the place. What would you encourage that young man or young woman who's listening to be like, okay, you got your purpose. Where now? Well, first I would take the qualifying age factor off of it. Cause it doesn't matter how old you are. You know, you could be 22, you could be 37. It, it doesn't really matter. What I think it is, it's a felt sense of knowing there's a direction that my life needs to go in now. And I don't know exactly what that whole path looks like, but I'm drawn this way. And there's probably many things in your life that are telling you to go a different way. Logic, reason, your parents' voices in your head, the people that mentored you and raised you growing up. And yet there's this impulse. It's like a felt sense in your body. What I would say to those folks is it's just like planting a seed, right? I use the natural world a lot for references and it's just like planting a seed. If you want to, I'm not a great gardener by any means, but I know that if you want something to grow, you have to plant it in good soil conditions. So putting yourself in the environment, environment is really important. So if you find yourself around people who don't represent where you want to end up, then you have to change your environment somehow. That might be relocating. It might be changing the people that you surround yourself with on a day-to-day basis. It might be a career move or pivot in some direction, but you have to change the environment. And then the other part is looking inward and asking myself, how do I change my state? How do I change myself to be who I want to be moving forward? And that's a much more, I don't want to say complicated, but there's a lot more depth in that journey and process. Maybe we want to go into it, but I'd say it's it's considering how I can change my environment and how I can change myself and change my own state. Those are the two biggest questions for anyone who have that felt sense that it's time to start moving towards what I really came here to do. Yeah. And that change of environment depends where you are in life and what you have accessible to you. But like that is like kind of the external factors around you, which, yeah, I, you know, I can decide what it is that I do on my Friday nights. I can maybe have a choice of which communities I'm drawn to and where I want to spend time. What are the conversations I'm listening to? What are the podcasts I'm listening to? The music, the movies, the books I'm reading, the lectures, you know, like even though you're talking about Alison Armstrong, that change of state, that internal look, that looking at the mirror, that one can be, and not always, but can be a little bit more challenging. I know for me, it was really, I was truly resistant to it and finding mentors and other people to support me like rising man, like yourself has been pivotal. So for someone who is looking at, okay, where do I even start? You know, where do I even start at that internal looking for that change of state? What's like one or two steps you encourage them to do? Well, just going back in my own mind, remembering what it felt like to be 25 years old on the cusp of really being at that fork in the road of my life. I could very clearly see what my life would look like if I just kept doing the same things. And I had no idea what my life would look like down the other road, but that was the one that was drawing me forward. It was terrifying. There was nobody who could tell me this is what it's going to look like. I had to go and look for that. There was nobody around me who was 
also like, hey, I'm going to walk down that trail too. Let's travel down that road together for a little bit. Fortunately, I was guided and led to people who could mentor me. I often say to people at that at this juncture, it's important to surround yourself with folks who believe in you before you can really believe in yourself. That was such an important thing for me was getting around people who could see all of that potential in me because I was walking around in the world afraid, doubting myself, and just trusting that there's some voice inside of my head that's saying, go this way, do this, leave New York, go to California, travel around, check out this rites of passage thing, sit with these circles of men and, get, and just soak up what they're giving you. I had no idea where that was going to lead, but I was really fortunate to have people around me that just kept showing up in my life, little blessings of mentorship and guidance. And so my particular journey, I know some people, they, they find their purpose by going and traveling the world by themselves and retreating into the mountains and spending a lot of time in solitude. And I think that's, if that's what you're called to, that's great for me. I got a lot of my power by spending time in spaces with men who were more experienced than I was, who could help me see the things that I couldn't see, who could help me anticipate the obstacles that I didn't even see coming because I just didn't know. And obviously that's become the core of the work that I do now with Rising Man. Yeah. Let's talk about that. With Rising Man, I mean, we talked about not only do you provide an opportunity for men to come together in circles and fire circles to, to sit together, to explore together, to do that inward depth journey, not in solitude, but with support of others. But then there's also the rites of passage piece where it becomes, it is in community, you go outside for this rites of passage experience, but then there is that kind of unique experience you get by yourself out there. I'm curious, you mentioned a little bit of you being at this fork in the road and having this fear of like, I don't know which way to go, but there's a voice telling me this way. And it led you to these circles of men and these rites of passage. So before we talk about Rising Man, let's go a little bit back to young Jetty Azuma. Here you are, fork in the road. Something's guiding me this way. Where were you? What was like the confusion or maybe something you were lost or trying to figure out or lack of clarity in your life that was you were experiencing? And then what happened to get you into those circles of men, into those rites passages? And then where did that take you? What was uncovered in those experiences for you? Quick story. I went to college. I got my doctorate in physical therapy. I got my first job at a corporate physical therapy clinic in the heart of downtown Manhattan, right above Grand Central Station. And I'll never forget my first day of work. Okay, I'd had many jobs before, but this was like my first professional job. Showed up to work. I worked the first half of the day and I had my lunch break and I walked outside. I'm looking up at this huge, the MetLife building and I'm, there's just people rushing by. And I, I almost had like a full blown anxiety attack. I didn't know what was going on, but my heart was racing. At this time I was smoking cigarettes. I was just ripping cigarettes. I was so anxious. Part of it was the nerves of first day on the job, but deeper underneath that, there was this empty feeling I had in my stomach. Cause I could not imagine myself doing what I had just done for one half of one day's work for the next 30 years. Mm -hmm. And I'm just imagine the story. And I'm sure other people who are listening to this can relate. It was this sudden knowing that I put in all this time, all this energy, my parents sending me to college to get this degree, getting a scholarship so I can go all the way to doctorate training. And, and then wait, that's not the path for me. What do I do? And I was 23 years old and I had nobody to talk to about that. So right in that moment, I knew well, there's no way I can just keep doing this. I still had to do it for a little while because I didn't know what the alternative was. 
But right there, I knew something had to change. And it took me two years of working that job and just like being in my, stewing in my own pain until I finally said, enough is enough. I need to go. And part of that leaving New York was the beginning of a rite of passage for me where I said, this chapter of my life is done. I didn't know that was happening. And I have no idea what's on the other side. I was very much in, in a rite of passage model. We talk about three stages, severance, threshold, initiation. I was in the midst of severance. And I often relate it to chapters of a book. I was writing the last couple of lines of a chapter in my story. And I had, and it was just blank pages on the other side, which is exactly how a lot of life is. Fortunately, part of my journey in traveling and leaving New York led me to a community in California called Condor Clan that offered ceremonial rites of passage to mark this transition in my life. And that was where I got so much of this clarity illuminated. But it was that moment that I stood there in New York City, freezing my butt off, just like, how can I, what do I do? And I didn't know, but there was a, there was a voice inside me that I could barely hear because I was also shoving it down with nicotine and weed and just all the other distractions I could, but I could just see a glimmer of a flicker of a light that said, gotta get out of here. And for divine intervention just led me out of there somehow because it defied all logic. There was no reason for me to put my career on hold, to put my doctorate degree and all my certifications and credentials on the shelf to go and find myself, but I couldn't not do it. That's how strong the, the voice was. Yeah, because it sounds like my experience, which is very similar to yours, and it sounds like I don't know what's that way, but I have a feeling like I know what's that way. And that is not what I'm supposed to be doing. That's not who I am. It doesn't fill me up. It doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't breathe life into me. And and if you're living your life feeling that way, it's like, it's scary to take that step into the unknown. But sometimes that's exactly the step that you need to take. And it sounds like in your story, that step took you to other people who are there to kind of support you and guide you, other organizations, other experiences, like you're talking about the, the severance, the threshold and the initiation. So for you, talk about a little bit of the next, you talked about the severance of your experience. What about that threshold and initiation? What were the next things that came up for you? Yeah, well, uh, you know, I went out and I did a four day vision fast, which is four days, no food by yourself out in the wilderness under the guidance of the Condor clan and the people in that organization. When I was 26, it was right before, it was two weeks before I got married and it was two, a week before my 27th birthday. And that was really the true incubation, which is the threshold time where you go into the cocoon. I was sacrificing the identity I'd had up until now in exchange for a new one on the other side of that. But if I zoom out a little bit, because it was kind of like a multi-layered transformational time for me, the threshold time was this four months I spent on the road. So right after my 25th birthday, literally the week after, I got a one-way ticket on a plane out to the West Coast. And I had just two plans. I was going to go backpacking for a week with some buddies from college in Yosemite, which was awesome. And then after that, I was going to go to Burning Man. And I had been to Burning Man before, but it was just kind of open-ended after that. I saved up some money, see where we go. So that form, it ended up becoming four months. I, I thought, well, I'll definitely be gone for a month. It ended up being four. I, I mean, hitchhiking, traveling, sleeping on the road, out under the stars. I probably slept in like a dozen people's homes at that journey. I was on the reservation doing ceremony. I was back up the coast living on a commune in Oregon for a few days. I was all over the place just gathering these experiences. I was so lit up. 
all of them were completely different than what I was experiencing in my life back in New York. Right. That was the time where I was just taking all this information. And that final ceremonial vision fast I did was I was able to be reborn on the other side, much more clear on what I was taking with me, but more importantly, what I was leaving behind. And so that was really what that threshold time was. The the incorporation, that final phase in in rites of passage, that's always the hardest part because this is where you have to actually write the new chapter. Threshold, you're just in between. You're in this dreamy liminal space, but incorporation, that's where you actually have to take that vision you had and put it into action. And that wouldn't have been possible without the community. So that's where the men's team and the Condor clan community supporting me after that experience and my extended spiritual network really made it possible. And is that incorporation like a lifelong continuation or do you go through multiple different repeats of this severance and initiation process? Or is like, do you find yourself still in the prolonged incorporation of that original journey? So without going too deeply into it, we use a tool in our work called the medicine wheel. And it's a, it's a way of looking at seasons of life and directions and different stages of a process, but it's not just a flat circle. If you actually make it 3d, it's like a coiled circle. So you, you do different rounds and cycles that all feed into the same upward journey, like a spiral, but you are going, you're passing through these different seasons in each stage. So again, I really like chapters of a book, right? Cause it's all one thread of a story. Incorporation is a lifelong thing, but sometimes there's different stages of that journey that I'm in, but it never ends till take your last breath. It's giving that gift on this planet is what we're here to do. Beautiful. Well, thanks for sharing that. And I, I'm curious to look into now how clearly your experience, again, in these men's circles and in your own rites of passage experience, this first four-day fast that you did has guided you into what you're doing now, into Rising Man, the Rising Man movement and being a uh, rites of passage wilderness guide. Let's talk a little bit about that. Who are the type of men that you call into this space for rites of passage? Like, what does the invitation look like for somebody who's, and I'll talk for myself too, it's like, there is this desire for it, this curiosity for it. And there's a little bit of fear. It's like, I don't know what's on the other side of that. Like, what am I ready to say goodbye to? And what is it that I'm stepping into this new version of myself? So give me a little bit of an idea for like, rites of passage. I really know nothing about it. What do I need to know? Yeah. Well, anyone who wants to embark on a rite of passage and isn't afraid, I'm usually have questions about (laughs) it's it's a death, man. It's, it's a ceremonial death and rebirth. There's, there's an identity that you're sacrificing and leaving at the threshold in exchange for one that hasn't been fully formed or taken shape yet. That's terrifying, especially because we're all so ego-driven as a society We're self-referenced, self-centered, it's just how we're raised. So the idea of there no longer being an Angelo, Oh my God, that's scary. Of course it's scary. All the same way. Cause it's a deeply ceremonial and spiritual process. But for folks who don't really have that reference or orientation, I really try to simplify it. Never in your life have you ever spent four days by yourself without food, without interactions with human beings, with nothing else to distract you, without the comforts of life, without Netflix, social media, to get in the way of you hearing what that inner voice is saying. So really all we're doing functionally is creating the conditions for clarity, a deep and authentic clarity that is very difficult to achieve 
with all the noise we have going on in life, with that clarity, bringing it back to a community who knows what you just did. Because no matter where your ancestry comes from in the world, every single one of us has evidence of this in our ancestral line. I like to say it fell off the boat because most of us, our ancestors traveled here to where we live in the Western world. And these practices, they, they disappeared at some point, but they're within us. Our We haven't evolved out of our biology. Our biology still says, go spend time alone in the wilderness. There's something there for you. Most of us don't have that opportunity. So once you do that, what's activated and what you find and discover is true in you is so potent. Every man's experience is different, but everyone comes back with clarity. I know who I am now. I know where I'm headed. It's not going to be easy. That's the easy part. Now you got to bring it back to your life. That's why we provide community on the other side. It's not enough to have a peak experience. These medicine journeys, these ceremonies, it's not enough to just see it. You got to bring that vision back and demonstrate it for the people to see be witnessed, be held, be supported in that. That's something that Black Elk said in his visions was a man cannot access the full power of his medicine until he's demonstrated it for the people to see. And so that's that continuous line. And what we do is supporting people having these experiences and then providing that lifelong community support because that's what we need. We need that village. Right. Yeah. The clarity is key. The understanding ourselves is key, but the community is what ties it all together. Whether it's a community of men that's a support circle, whether it's your local community of where you live, where you work, or maybe it's this larger global community. My vision for We Are The Men, it's, yeah, the choices that we're making and the decisions that we're taking in our own lives, that's what we got to look at. And we know that all of it has an impact on the immediate people around us, on the people around them, and so on and so forth. So this global change can occur by all of us just taking the actions that we know are in integrity, in alignment, like really guided through that clarity that you're you're sharing so that you, you know, can receive it through that rites of passage experience. So let's tap into the community piece. So for someone who feels alone, for someone who maybe has a community, but they're just not resonating with it, the priorities, the values of the community doesn't align with their own. I know Rising Man offers a, a beautiful experience with, with fire circles, which I have been a part of and I absolutely love. What do you see as like really the invitation for someone to step into community? And what for someone who's maybe more of a introverted, maybe they don't like to outwardly be vulnerable or share. What is it that they can gain out of this community aspect of rising men? So we're all full of shit, man. And, and I'm, I'm just as full of shit as you are. And when I, what I mean by that is we all have these blind spots. We have these stories about ourselves that keep us safe. And I, I had so many that I wasn't aware of when I started sitting in men's circles. And what I needed was to be able to start seeing that and to have the capacity to look at that and not to make myself wrong or disappear into a shame spiral, but to be, to stew in it. And when you have people, forget about men's team, men's circle, but if you just have people who are willing to sit with you in the yucky, dark, ugly version of you that you're just, you resent so that you can learn from it and then take action on that, that's how we transform our lives. That's how we become different people. That is almost impossible to do alone. I don't think I've ever seen someone really succeed in doing that alone. People who try to do that exclusively alone and only believe their own narrative, we got a word for that. It's called narcissism, right? That's what, that's what people, and it's, over, it's overused, but that's really what that means. It's like, I'm only subscribing to my story of myself, and I think it's a pretty good one, and everyone else is wrong. So this simple technology of sitting 
in space together, building the type of trust where I'm willing to risk my relationship with you because of how much I care about your family. I'm willing to tell you that thing you don't want to hear because it's going to hurt your ego. And I'm okay with that because I know that your son needs you to see this so that you don't pass that on to him. That's a level of accountability and support that most of us don't have in our lives. We forgot how to do that. It used to be that way. Again, this is all ancestral. It used to be that way. Not that way now. So what we're doing in Rising Man is we're creating those spaces. We're helping men remember how to do that because we're a bunch of nice guys. We're very pleasant. We've been socialized. We've been neutered in some ways, you know, from our, our animal instincts. And there's, there's very simple ways to reintroduce that because we're all, none of us are unique, man. We're all going through the same challenges. And when the sooner that we remember that and we can let go of our attachment to this bad version of a man that I am, then we can actually start to do something about it, be the solution. So that's really the power of being in a circle with other men is we can see our blind spots, point them out, be like, oh, great. I found one. What am I going to do about that? I don't even know. Source some ideas and then take action. Be witnessed in that. It's so simple, but it's not easy to do. The formula, the technology is really simple, but it's difficult to execute because it requires humility. Man, if you're a man who at some point in your life, you're pointed towards your purpose and you're doing it in a humble way, you've already won. That to me is the ultimate victory. Yeah, absolutely. I feel so blessed to be able to say that that I have men like you in my life who can point out those things to me. You know, as a father, I need someone to be that mirror for me to point out my blind spots. And and I know I have a men that I trust, men that I admire, men who I look at how they lead in their own lives. How you know I get to see how you show up as a father, as a husband, as a leader to an organization, as just a man in the community. And man, I, yeah, I just feel so blessed to have your friendship, to have your guidance, as well as to be there for you too. That's the other beautiful part about these men's circles is it's not just a one-way street. Yeah, I'm getting so much support from being in these spaces, but I also know that my presence matters. My presence as a man in a space, in a relationship with others matters. And so then I get to remember that, that it's like, this is a community that depends on every single link in the chain. There's no one person that's going to run the entire community and it wouldn't be the same without you. So if you're listening to this and this is your opportunity to step into that, and if there's a little bit of discomfort there, then great. That's exactly what you need to be doing. So Jetty, before we tap into, you know, oh, someone heard something that like, I want to know more about Jetty Azuma. I want to know more about Rising Man. I'm curious about these rites of passage, fire circles, mentorship, all these things. What, any last words you want to leave with anyone listening, the brothers, the sisters listening for maybe the youth, for the elders in the world that are, are hearing these words? What is it that you would like to kind of leave as one last parting gift for this message? It might be shocking, but I want to remind men that there's there's an animal in you. There's a killer and a lover that exists inside of the same person. And both of them are really important to have. We got to get to know every part of ourselves. You need to get to know every part of you. When you don't feel like a powerful person, it's usually because you're out of touch with a part of who you really are at a basic level. And even if it might be scary for you and you think it's scary for others around you, you're way more dangerous if you don't know how to wield those parts of yourself, if you've never come into contact with them. So I think that's the big shift we get to make collectively is being willing to encounter deeper parts of ourselves and to share that rugged, raw, animalistic instinct in a safe way 
because that's only going to make it more safe for the people around us. And that's, I think that's the real work of our generation. Yes. And for a man who gets that sense of that animal inside that, that savage, that lover, all of those aspects of themselves. And they're like, I'm ready. I'm ready to step one step closer to the fire. I'm ready to connect with rising man movement. Maybe I want to learn more about Jetty. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing, how they can connect with you, what's coming up for rising man in 2024. And what are the next steps for somebody to stay in contact with you and the work you're doing? Yeah. Thank you, man. Well, we're evolving. And what we're going to be doing in the beginning of 2024 is we'll be recruiting a new class for the fire circles. It's a different process than we've had, but for those men who are really ready to step in and to be in the committed place of being on a team with other men willing to really look at themselves and lift off, we're looking for those guys. And so we're recruiting for our, our next class in the fire circles. And that's going to be happening in 2024 in the first couple months. So anybody who's interested in that, best way to do it is hit us up on our Rising Man Instagram at Rising Man Movement. You guys can also hit me up on my personal at Jetty Azuma on Instagram. That's probably the best place to look for us. And yeah, I love having conversations with men. So reach out, send a message. Even if it's, man, I heard something on that podcast you did with Angelo and I don't know, there's just something. Say that. Just get the conversation started because I'd love to meet you guys. Yeah. And we'll have all those links in the show notes. I once again... My love for you, Jetty, is massive for Rising Man Movement. It's been a pivotal part in my own journey. And so whenever I have men come to me, there's you know a small list of places that I guide them to. And Rising Man Movement is surely one of those. If you are don't have direct access to a team of a circle of men that, that you can call your brothers and be witnessed in, be refined in, check out the fire circles, check out Rising Man, check out Jetty. You you will certainly be impressed at the opportunity that's presented in front of you for your own clarity and your own development as, as a human in this life. So thank you, Jetty. Before we close out, I want to invite you, which I like to do for all my guests, into a little bit of a visualization exercise for you to see what comes through you, what words are the final words that want to be shared here on this podcast. So I invite you to take a nice deep breath. And if you're listening along, feel free to join us and see what comes through for you. So Jetty, you find yourself on an open field. Thousands of men are with you. You're about to address the world and you begin to speak. I want you to finish this sentence. We are the men who... Who planted the trees so that our great-grandsons can eat the fruit. We are the men who planted the trees so our great-grandsons could eat the fruits. Thank you, Jetty. Thank you for joining us on the We Are The Men podcast. We Are The Men is a global movement, and I want to invite you, the listeners, to be a part of it. Go to wearethemen.com to sign up for our mailing list and learn how you can get involved. If you like what you heard, please take a moment to rate and follow this podcast to help us reach more listeners. All of us know men who could benefit from hearing these conversations and engaging with our community. Please share this podcast today with someone you know. Thank you, Jetty Azuma and Rising Man Movement. I'm Angelo Santiago, and we are the men. 